0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: This is Dr. Dan, and we are back with Kirsten Tynan, Executive Director of the Fully Informed Jury Association. Before I go on, I invite you to visit their website, F-I-J-A dot org, which, of course, stands for Fully Informed Jury Association dot org. Kirsten Tynan has been educating people for more than a decade on the protective role of the jury and the full rights and authority of jurors. Her educational work places special focus on jurors' rights to temper the law with mercy through jury nullification to deliver just verdicts. Kirsten Tynan, thank you so much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, so actually that, that jury notification did have something to help the public put pressure on the government. Uh, to repeal uh, prohibition, which was the 18th, the Volstead Amendment, Volstead Act, the 18th Amendment. So um, let's talk just, uh, just a bit about the Fully Informed Jury Association, your group, because obviously the most important thing that we can hope to do is to educate more and more people In what what this is all about, on how and not only what it's about, not only how to do it, but why this is so important for justice in our country.
2: Um, So I'm not sure what the question is there, but... (laughs) I'm sure. Why it's so important is that is that kind of where we're going? No, I'm, to- I'm I'm
1: sure you're going to be able to find okay. an answer. You haven't All had right. any problem okay. finding an answer so far. So <laughs> the bottom line here is that this this is it's really important that that yes. that we educate people about this because as the government gets larger and larger, and it is inevitable that there will be more and more overreach of government through the judicial system is what, and we've seen this over the last 10 to 20 years there's more pressure uh on people because of the overreach of government uh and the government as it gets stronger it works through the judicial system to punish people who don't agree with the government and that is where one of the most important uses of jury nullification has got to come Your group, the Fully Informed Jury Association, I assume that you're wanting to fully inform jurors. Is that not true?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. Uh, We do our best to fully inform as many people as we can. Um, I kind of look at it as, um, if you look at what, what does the Constitution say is how we settle disputes in this country. In the body of the Constitution, it calls for criminal trials by jury. In the uh, Bill of Rights, we have the Fifth Amendment calling for grand juries, the Sixth Amendment once again calling for criminal trial by jury, the Seventh Amendment calling for civil trial by juries, and the Ninth and Tenth Amendments basically protecting jury rights that existed at the time of the founding, um, basically saying, hey, nothing in this is going to disparage other rights that are retained by the people in the states. Jury rights were extensively protected, but how do things get settled? We have almost no criminal trials by jury or civil trials by jury anymore. A lot of civil cases are settled by judges making the decision and the vast, vast majority of criminal trials by jury or criminal trials are adjudicated by plea bargaining over probably over 97% at this point. Um, the last I checked, it was certainly over 95%, but I haven't seen more recent numbers and it has been a number of years since that. But what the constitutional way of settling accusations of breaking criminal laws is almost non-existent anymore. It's settled by prosecutors basically putting the screws to the accused um, if you look in uh, Arizona in Maricopa County, I have to check up on this, but there is a civil suit against the Maricopa County Prosecutor's Office because the way they deal with plea bargains, there is a cover sheet on the plea bargains offered to people that basically says, take this pretty much immediately or we're going to revoke it and we're going to give you a much worse deal and we're going to prosecute you as hard as possible kind of thing. They're basically threatening people into taking a plea bargain before they've even seen, you know, what discovery might be available. And there is actually a a book written by a, I think he's a senior, a judge on senior status now. So still active, but not, you know, a full-time judge. But he basically talks about how even innocent people are pleading guilty because it's so dangerous to try and exercise your right to trial by jury. If you turn down a plea bargain, you will, and you are somehow convicted, even if you're innocent, you can be convicted. Keep in mind what I said about um, motions being filed that limit the information that can be given to the jury, uh, judges pre-screening your defense and deciding whether or not you're allowed to defend yourself in the way you want and that sort of thing. So we actually have a lot of innocent people at, at significant risk of being convicted in a trial by jury. And if that happens, you will often find that the prosecutor's um, argument for how much punishment will include a memo that says, because this person demanded their right to trial by jury, they should be punished more because they wasted the court's time. They're wasting taxpayer dollars. It's a constitutional right. And the fact that you exercise a constitutional right is being called out as a reason to punish you more. And if you look at the data... You will see, uh, I believe it's the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers has a recent report out from maybe two or three years ago that explains how harsh the trial penalty is. I used to call it the trial tax, but um, a philosophy professor, Mike Humer, pointed out to me that when the government taxes you, it gets something, it gets your money. But in this case, they're not even getting anything else out of it, except for they get to hurt you more. So it's a trial penalty, and you will be punished far more harshly than you were offered in your plea bargain. So I, I like to think of it as a math problem this way, what the prosecution offers you in their plea bargain, that's the minimum they're willing to settle for. That's what is really fair. That's what they think that that's what they're saying is fair enough for them to go with it. Anything beyond that, that they ask for because you went to trial, that is punishing you for exercising a constitutional right. It has nothing to do with whatever offense you are said to have been um, guilty of. So basically, they're punishing you many times over more harshly for exercising your right to trial by jury than they are for the actual offense that they are saying that you committed. So, very disturbing situation there that it has now grown to the point where even people who are factually not guilty are afraid to stand up for themselves in court because, should it go wrong, I mean, the stakes are just too high. It is almost mentally ridiculous, mentally, uh, I don't want to use the word insane, but mentally a poor choice. (laughs) It's almost mentally a poor choice at this point to go to jury trial. The people who do are just such brave people. I hope that when we sit as jurors, we should give due consideration to the fact that someone who actually is innocent sitting there or someone who has broken the law but had a good reason for doing so or harmed nobody in doing so, those people sitting in that seat, it took a lot for them to get there. They... They had to have quite a lot of fortitude to get to that point.
1: So, again, the Fully Informed Jury Association, uh, Kirsten Tynan, of which you are the executive director, and your mission is to teach, to educate, to have more and more people understand what their rights are as jurors, and the most important thing is that those jurors' rights that they have really protect all of us. Isn't that true?
2: Yes. Um, one of the things to keep in mind is that even if you're not the one sitting in the defendant's chair in a particular trial, what your the jury that you're sitting on and other juries in similar cases and and even non-similar cases, what you're doing is sending a message to the government. First of all, it's sending a message to police and prosecutors about what they should bother enforcing to begin with. Second, it's sending a message to legislators as to whether or not they should continue on certain legislation. Uh, But most importantly for the immediate case at hand, you know, that person sitting in the defense seat, it, it's also something that I hope people consider because I know as jurors, it's, it's very inconvenient. A lot of times it can be for um, lower income people or self-employed people or things like that. It can be economically quite harsh on you as uh, was pointed out at the beginning. But think about what that person has at stake. They may be Uh, about to lose their freedom. They may, in the course of losing their freedom, lose custody of a child. They may have a spousal relationship or other relationship broken up. They may lose not only their job, but after they are through with their, their legal obligations, they now may have a hard time getting another job. They may not be able to, um, get a license or, um, pass a background check or things like that. They may not be able to get an education because they have a certain type of charge on their record. They may have lost their housing. They may have lost their vehicle. And while they're in prison, they're not only uh, losing their freedom, they may be at risk for physical or sexual assault or may even die. We've actually seen cases where uh, someone has died pre-trial in jail because something like a serious food allergy was ignored. Uh, the The jail officials thought that they were just, you know, make, being dramatic or, you know, faking something. But they actually ended up, you know, unable to breathe because they had, you know, eaten something that was they were allergic to. So it's a very a serious thing for someone to... Be sitting in that seat, and I hope that, as serious as it is for us as jurors to have our time taken up, that we also give consideration to if we were the ones sitting in that seat, what would we want our jurors to do for us? And uh, I know a lot of people are probably immediately thinking, "Well, I'll never be sitting there because I didn't do anything wrong." Folks, we are not living in a time where you have to do something wrong or break the law to be ended up to be end up and. To end up in that seat. Uh, the government often accuses people for political reasons. They often accuse people um, for person. If it's a certain person, you know, has a conflict with someone else, they'll throw their weight around. Uh, there, there are just mean people who have made it into positions of power. There are uh, malicious people who have made it into positions of power. It's not about, it, it, just the fact that you're accused does not mean that you're guilty or that you've done anything wrong, um, no matter how much we are conditioned to assume otherwise. Um, that's something we should give consideration about when we think of, you know, how would we like to be treated if we were accused.
1: You know, there's also others unintended or secondary consequences for people who are on juries, who have certain moral convictions, who have beliefs. And if they are forced to go against those beliefs in order, if they're bullied into reaching a verdict, doesn't that have some long-term consequences yeah. for them?
2: Yeah, there's actually a term um that was originally applied, as far as I can tell, to military veterans who uh, suffered this, and it's called moral injury. And it's when you are, you either witness or are forced to participate in something that crosses your, the moral lines you have drawn as your boundaries. And that has been expanded as they, they look into how this affects people to other areas. And I'm hoping somebody does some research on juries because, the calls I've gotten over the years and the emails from people who are, you know, I, I voted this way but now I wish I hadn't, especially in death penalty cases. Imagine you voted that someone should be put to death and then you later found out that you weren't told all the information or that you were told some false information or that something had been withheld that the defense would have, you know, could have used to prove their innocence you know some piece of evidence that might have had dna that was relevant something like that and now you are looking at oh my gosh what what have i done i mean it's not necessarily intentional but it rises to the level of asking you know have i been complicit in killing someone you know so it, it it's it's a very serious thing to to take into consideration And even if it's not a death penalty case, if you send someone to prison, uh, there was a a case uh, that one of the jurors, I think, wrote, I don't remember which publication, but he wrote an editorial. um, A man had been convicted, I believe it was a first time offense. He had been convicted of some low level uh, charge, a drug charge. I can't remember if it was sale or possession or or whatever. Uh, But he ended up getting into prison and killing himself. And the juror was horrified, A, that he had been given such a a hugely uh, long sentence that he was so, you know, it wasn't like six months and go to rehab or something. It was like 18 years or something along those lines for a first-time offense. And it was victimless offense. Um, So the juror was not only horrified about that, but basically it sounded in the editorial like they didn't know what jury nullification was, but would have done it anyway. Because they said, had I known what the punishment was at stake, I would have voted not guilty. And it's like, yeah, you you didn't because no one told you. You didn't know. You were told to ignore the consequence of your action and pay no attention to what the punishment could be. You were told that you shouldn't vote based on your sympathies with the accused, that you should only decide whether or not the law had been broken, not whether it's just all these things came into play. And then that person has to live with it for the rest of their life. It's it's a disturbing thought.
1: Well, I think that's a very appropriate way of, of summing up uh, our conversation and discussion about this incredibly important topic. There are so many consequences to consider. And everyone suffers. It's not just the defendant; it's the prosecutors, the judges, the jurors. Everyone's got everyone. Everyone's got uh, something. Everyone's got a, a stake in the game here, and that's why jury nullification really is making moral decisions based upon a series of facts and circumstances. And I think that is what your mission is, as as we've discussed in the Mm -hmm. Fully Informed Jury Association, is that people need to know that how important being on a jury is, uh, that what you do on a jury can have far-reaching consequences for so many different people. And that's why uh, Kirsten Tynan of the Fully Informed Jury Association, F I J A Please go to their website. And I want to thank you for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio and giving us an incredibly uh, far reaching and important discussion of jury nullification.
2: Thank you so much for including us. We appreciate you helping get the message out and educating people. waters and people I just love to hear that old man sing yeah when I play the hoochie coochie man I get joy in
1: everything
2: everything 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 gonna be moaning.